Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live on a Thursday. We take a bite of the Big Apple with the uh, New York Newsday's Barbara Barker, who has been covering the Brooklyn Nets. Fact number one, the Celtics swept the Nets. Fact number two is there's enough blame to go around, Barbara, right? Where do you start? I mean, there's enough blame to go around, but it has to start, I think, with Kyrie Irving. I mean, and let's just start with i don't know if you heard his whole post you know game four press conference or any of it but i did <clears throat> i mean the guy basically had one good game out of four all right one 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 you know the first game was good and that was a tight game <clears throat> excuse me the rest he was terrible all right one game, good game out of four they just became the only team that didn't win a first round playoff first round playoff game and they were you know the biggest favorite to, go, to win it all. So, I mean, it's got to be, it's a monumental collapse. And what does the guy do? He basically says that he blames the media for some reason, which I really don't understand. Then he, but that's neither here nor there. Then he basically opts out, he gives himself a contract extension, all right, by saying that he's not planning on going anywhere. And then he, which he probably isn't going anywhere, and then he promotes, I mean, you know, elevates himself to co-general manager by saying that he, Sean Marks, team owner, Joe Sy, and KD are going to figure it all out this summer. I mean, I think the lack of self-awareness is mind-boggling. Well, you didn't realize that Kyrie Irving was a stand-up comedian, now, did you? I mean, I have to tell you, it was so late at night when he came on, and I'm writing my story, and I'm just looking for one quote to throw in, my column, one quote to throw in, and then he starts going off, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you be, I mean, it, it was just, it was, I mean, you know, he's had some strange press conferences before, all right, but I mean, this, this life was the doozy of them all. Um. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, right? I mean, he was a problem in Cleveland. He was a major problem in Boston. I mean, my old partner, Cedric Maxwell, was telling me that they couldn't wait for him to leave. Uh, so now that leads to, look, he's supremely talented. We know that. Yeah. I think it's fair to say he's a top 10 player in the league. But I mean, I don't know if he's top 10, but he's definitely top 20. And he's okay. close. He's on the upper part, of, I mean, the lower part of the team. But okay. yes, okay. supremely talented. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very, very talented. But with that comes baggage. And uh, I mean, this is the Samsonite stuff you don't really need on your team. However, <laughs> you know, however, you know, you get right down to it. Do you extend him or do you trade him? I, I mean, okay, so there's several things there. First, first of all... I mean, first of all, I 
I'm sure Sean Marks talked to people in Boston and in Cleveland. And I'm sure that they told him this guy is a colossal headache. And I'm sure Sean Marks looked at how talented he is and thought, well, how bad can it be? All right? I mean, <laughs> how bad can it be, right? He's, you know, we got good culture and we'll figure it all out. He grew up watching us, right? blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody thinks that they can fix, you know, because there's a lure of his talent. His talent is immense. So there's the lure of his talent. And so they think that they can fix it. And now, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have gotten Kevin Durant without him. I mean, the big question here is why are those two so connected at the hip? I mean, who knows, you know, what makes friendships. But if I was Kevin Durant, I would be telling my best friend, I wouldn't be too happy with my best friend after this season, Um, you know? You said that um, they were favored to win it all, but that was back when they picked when, when it was Harden, Durant, and Irving, right. Right. Uh, and uh, you know right. we expected Joe Harris back at some point. That didn't happen. Um, well, this, yeah, this was even yeah no, this was even before yeah Joe Harris got yeah right exactly yeah, so when the, he was intact, we're talking going into training camp. Right. So I mean, and I understood all of that. So now we we go forward. You look at the Celtics season as an example. And they started out so slowly, a combination of a variety of things, a new coach, familiarity with coach to player and player to coach and so on. So now uh, here's uh, Ime Udeka, uh, Udoka, who was on the Nets bench, and he, he coached under Popovich. And, you know, this is hindsight, but why wasn't he hired to be the Nets coach? Well, I think he was because he so he came in under Nash. All right, I don't think he it was interviewed. You know, so I heard someone say he was interviewed. He was never, you know, there was nobody interviewed for this job. Steve Nash got the job because Kevin Durant said Steve is, you know, Steve, Steve's going to be the coach. And they went last year. And one reason the Nets were so good is they had him doing the defense, and they had Mike D'Antoni doing the offense. Both of them left. All right, right. So they didn't they didn't have those guys. Um, and you talk on. I mean, I, I really think the Bucks are going to have a hard, hard time playing, and they're going to be without Chris Middleton. I mean, that's who Boston plays next. And I, I think, you know, it's so interesting what Boston's done, and I really think they've gone against, you know, the whole super team culture. There's another, there's other teams that have too, but you know, I, I mean, I think I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but like six of their nine regular, you know, nine guys in the rotation um, were, you know, drafted by have never played for another team. So, I mean, they're, they, you know, they take homegrown guys, they're stars. I mean, Jason Tatum was by far the best person on the floor in that series. I mean, they've really built from the ground up and, you know, they're going to be a force for years to come. I'm not saying that, you know, that their greatness is why the Nets lost because the Nets shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. But the Nets, and you also notice, you know, the Bucks lost their last game, lost their last game. So they are on purpose of the regular season and they didn't, you know, play their stars because they, I don't think they wanted to play the Nets. All right. Boston went out to win it. This guy wanted to play the Nets. He knew he knew this team, you know, he knew he could beat this team. You know, I mean, it's, it's a masterful job he did. Well, uh, not necessarily in any order, but let me, where my mind is right now. Number (laughs) one, number one, uh, he may outcoach Nash. There's no debate about that. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, when, when the Bucks tanked not to, not to play the Nets, uh, they bit themselves in the rump because now Boston get home, gets home court advantage against Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know what? I always think when teams tank, I, 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 I always think when they t- 
it always comes back to bite you. I mean, not always, but nine times out of ten, it comes back. I, I just never liked that strategy. But, you know, I mean, maybe you risk guys because they're injured or something. But when you tank on purpose, I, it just the optics are always so bad, too. So when it comes back to bite you, you know, <laughs> it just does. Uh, let me ask you this. We're talking to Barbara Barker of New York Newsday covering the Nets. Um, Steve Nash did something that was kind of curious. Uh, in his post-game press conference. When you add it up, it's hard to say we underperformed. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I I think he was just sort of talking in the moment because I kind of say, huh, too, on that. I mean, here's the deal with Steve is, I mean, I do give him high marks in one area, in one area. This is a team of crazy people, or <laughs> not crazy people, one guy who's very <laughs> difficult, all right? And... And with the COVID, and I mean, he had a lot thrown at him. And I mean, to be a really good <clears throat> coach in today's NBA, you have to be able to juggle all these egos. And he's able to do that. But you also have to be able to like coach on the floor. I mean, maybe with two great assistants, he could do it. I don't, I, it's going to be, into, I mean, you know, Kevin Durant, who for now runs the team kind of, gave him a vote of confidence, you know, in his post-game press conference. But I mean, he's you know they got to get somebody else who who you know can call timeouts at the right time and come up with a game plan and you know do the stuff that traditional coaches need to do. Well, in today's NBA, I mean, look no further than LeBron James. LeBron James has got the ear of ownership, uh, but the right. fact of the matter is that Frank Vogel should not have been fired. It should have been Rob Polenka because right. the, the Lakers were. I mean, he was coaching a terrible roster. And he paid for it the hard way. So now here's Kevin Durant, who probably has Joe Ty's ear and Sean Marks's ear. Uh, and, and you know what they say about getting vote of confidence is sometimes that's like right, that's right. like a that's a bad I mean, omen. I guess that is, is there like a way in, in a modern team to keep your top talent happy, but also make it clear they're not running the team? To me, the moment the Nets went back on. Kyrie Irving, like at the beginning of the season, I was like, whoa, you know, when they said he's not going to be, he's not playing for us unless he's a full-time player. I mean, it was like a stunning press conference, all right? Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember right where, because it was a telephone press conference, and I had to pull over in a parking lot to take it because they had called it that day. I mean, and I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, it was stunning. And then, sort of just when, I mean, I know they had a lot of people out with COVID and things were going down the tubes, but when you reverse yourself i mean it just sends a clear signal who's running the team who's running the team you know who's making the decision so i i i mean no matter what they say like oh times have changed this and that i just think you know it it it's really hard today because the superstars you know make a tremendous amount of money and they they have for, since jordan but they make a tremendous amount of money and they want to have a tremendous amount of influence and i think it probably all started you know, people say Boston had a super team, but that was not self-constructed by stars. But in Miami, you know, went with the big three in Miami, when LeBron, you know, went to take his, you know, went to South Beach and that whole thing, and they played well. But the thing is, they had Pat Riley hovering in the background, and nobody was going to push around Pat Riley, right? Because he has five rings. But now, you know, these guys form teams. You know, he did it out in L.A. It's happened here. It's just like, it's just like, you know, you look at the, starters for the all-star starters and sometimes you're, you look at the you know and you look at like you know players vote for their friends players bring their friends onto teams they're not always right. the best 
judge of talent, you know? Yeah, she's Barbara Barker of New York Newsday. When you look over the series, the Nets lost by a total of 18 points. They were in every game. I mean, obviously the first game, uh, where they didn't defend uh, Jason Tatum on the layup. So I, I looked at the two stars of the team. First of all, Kevin Durant was the guy that should have been defending at that point. Kyrie Irving was the last guy that was next to him. How many times in your, all of the years you're covering basketball have you seen a layup as a buzzer beater? Yeah, that was that was pretty. I mean, that was pretty. That ending was pretty unbelievable. I mean, when you say, I mean, I know it, they all look close, but a lot of those, you know, I mean, especially the last two. Well, definitely the third one. I mean, they would be. They they would be they would be down by eleven most of the time, and then would cut to two. All right, and then they'd be down by eleven. You know, then the Celtics would be back. You know, up by eleven. It was never. You know, I never really felt that like. You know, I never really felt like they were in control. I mean, they were in control in the second game for a while. Yeah. I mean, but I, I never felt they were. In, I never felt that they were in control of game three or four. Well, you're right. Uh, game two, they blew a seventeen point lead. Uh, yeah. But game three was a microcosm of the series. The way that they harassed Durant and and, and uh, Irving all game long, doubled every time. It looked like they were playing five against ten against five. Uh, yeah, Durant came in with a bad plan that too. I think they came in. I mean, this is the adjustment they made. The adjustment they made is like, well, let's take let's 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 let our best player on the floor. Who is, who is pro, in my opinion, still the best player on the floor, better than Tatum, but wasn't in that series. Let's take the best player on the floor, the one great weapon we have, and let's have him defer to, like, Bruce Brown and other people, all right? Which is not the plan I would have. I mean, well, Bruce Brown was open a lot, but, I mean, it's not the plan I would have had. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of, I, I, I don't know. I mean, adjustments needed to be made. There, there's a lot. There's a lot to go around. But I mean, it's really what happened the whole season. The whole Harden and Ben Simmons fiasco. I mean, we haven't even gone there. I, it's just could be a mess for how long? I don't know. I mean, not that I think that Harden would have. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know if they could have kept him and made him keep playing. But he wouldn't have been unhappy to the extent he was if this nonsense hadn't been going on with Kyrie. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, he wanted out because of that. Um, but right. then again, Harden's wanted out, uh, you know, and when he was in Houston. Uh, He's not the most dependable guy. I mean, that is for sure. And he was in terrible shape when he came into the yes. season, too. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, there, it's not like, you know, he's a savior, but even just the whole drama, just the whole drama of it all, I think, just took a toll. I mean, how'd you like to be like, you know, Patty Mills or Bruce Brown or one of these guys who just wanted to play, you know, come in, play hard and blah, blah you know, and then you have this incredible, uh, it, it's just like it's soap opera going on every single day. You well, know? you know, it, well, it makes for interesting uh, writing when you're sitting in government. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got to I mean, you know, I gotta say, yes, it is pretty fun. Yeah. You know? I mean, you don't there have to like something to write about. I mean, and, and it's better than, you know, my other choice is to write a lot about the Knicks. And the Knicks are kind of like just a continued sad story off and on for 20 years. So, I mean, this is a little bit more fun. Let's, let's talk about, you mentioned Bruce Brown before. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, they got him at a bargain basement price. Yeah. So what is it going to cost him to keep him? Uh, you get the idea he wants to stay. And he really did play well in the, in the series. I mean, you can't oh. fault him. 
he wants to stay, but he also wants money. He knows, he knows, he, I mean, he, uh, he's talked, he knows he has raised his value. So, I mean, there's going to be some decisions to be made there. I mean, he's going to want money. You know, I think he would be where he would be great, but they, I think he'd be great in Boston. He's from Boston. But I mean, you know, that's not going to, I mean, I just think, you know, I'm talking about, about as a match, but he, yes, he really, really developed as a player. He did, you know, he was not a scorer and a shooter, and he's developed that. So, I mean, they got a lot of decisions to make. I think the first thing that, I mean, everything falls behind, you know, the, I don't know what, the, I mean, they're kind of in a bind. I think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to be stuck with Kyrie for like, you know, a long, long period. So they got to figure that out. Well, you know, you ask yourself, uh, and you, and you be, you're probably the best judge. You ask yourself, uh, we've already talked about the fact that he comes with all this baggage. Uh, yeah. What could you get for Kyrie Irving? The answer is probably a lot. And would that be would that be a good thing for the Nets to consider? Do you really think somebody else? This is it's not three strikes you're out is going to take that chance. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're maybe 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 you're right. But I don't know. After seeing what just happened, I mean. If I, well, you know, people always think that they can fix things, right? Yes. They're always looking for a deal. Yes. People are people are always looking for a deal. So it's, I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, and I think I, the other thing to say, but they have to keep Kevin happy. So he would have to. I mean, that's the whole thing. They have to keep Kevin happy, and he is like the reason Kyrie came back is Kevin finally said, well, you know, let's bring him back. I think. I think Kevin was real. I think. I, I, I think he. I think he was really careful about it. But I think everybody else thought it was ridiculous and selfish that he didn't get the. I mean, they, people don't. Players don't want to talk about the other players, and I understand that the vaccine is a personal choice for people. But you know, his personal choice. You know. <laughs> he really hurt his team, you know? Well, I mean, you know, so now you ask the question, who stays and who goes? And you, you look, uh, the, the, I think Patty Mills was a good acquisition. Uh, I think that uh, Seth Curry uh, had, had a lot more, lot better moments than Banos. I mean, he obviously was hurt a little bit late, but he, he could shoot it, no question. Andre Drummond. Uh, what did you expect to get from him to begin with? So you evaluate that Harden trade, and on the surface right now, Philadelphia got the better end of the deal because Ben Simmons hasn't played a lick yet. Right. And the question right. is about Ben Simmons is not only about his back, but what about above his shoulders? I mean, I think that's the bigger, might be the bigger concern. The guys you just named, let's run through them. I think Seth Curry, maybe, and he really was injured in the playoffs was the best thing to come out was by far the best thing to come out of there i mean you know i knew he could shoot but you know he uh, i i give him high marks being here all right drummond is a liability on defense it's a problem i don't know what's going to happen there i mean he did do a lot he does give them some size and stuff but i don't know and so patty mills i mean the problem with patty is pat patty is i they just played him i mean they played him so many minutes, you know what I mean? They played him so many minutes, it really ground down on him. So I don't know what you're going to do, you know. I, I don't know how that's going to happen either. They might really want to keep him around because Patty is very close to Ben Simmons, all right? I mean, their families grew up together. Mm. So um, there might be some, you know, other reasons to keep him around because maybe he can, you know, help, you know, uh, 
you know, then feel more comfortable. I mean, they don't really like the whole mental health issue. It's difficult to fault a guy for that because people do have mental health issues. And I think that's exactly, you know, I do think that's a lot of what he's having. I don't know if you've ever had back problems, but I had it, you know, once years ago. And it kind of, it also becomes mental, circles with your mental, oh, my back hurts, oh, this, you know, then you get depressed, you know? So, I, I mean, I, you know, there's there's a lot going, the potential for that guy is great, you know? I mean, he does, I mean, when he, I, I love the way he plays and the fact he doesn't shoot, okay, you can find other people that shoot, all right? I mean, if he were healthy and could, a lot of the stuff he does, is incredible, you know? I mean, he just does the things that other people don't do, but he's got to get back on there. And the whole last couple weeks charade of is Ben healthy, is he not Is he not healthy? I don't, I don't know if I really like that, how that went down. I don't yeah. know what they were trying to do there. Hey, answer this question, and it's hindsight now because it was a while ago. Why did they release Johnson? You know I don't know unless it, I, I'm sorry I can't answer that. I mean, unless it was was it like a roster thing? I think that's what it was. Like they they had, but I I don't know for sure. I thought he could have helped defensively, certainly. But you know that aside, uh, you start looking around in the free agent area, and you know who makes this team better. Uh, you know, obviously Kevin Durant is a superior player, uh, but the, the Celtic defense. I, look, I don't remember. I mean, you go back to the great day, the days of the bad boy Pistons. They played great defense, also. But what I saw right. from Boston, the way that they defended, that was just—it was like a masterpiece. Well, they—they—they—they they, they, they had a couple guys on him and bumping him when he was off the ball. You know, right? I mean, they—that's what I think. They really just sort of roughed him up. I mean, and you look at KD, and he's. I mean, and he's standing next to the guy. He's so thin. You know what I mean? He's so he's not a big man at all. You know, any other than being tall, right? Right. So I mean, you know, it, it just it, it, again, I mean, maybe that's his one fault over the years is being semi fragile. But he's always been able to find a way around it. I mean, he's such a great shooter. He can bend his body like a Gumby and get around these guys, right? But I mean, you know, if you're just hit over and over and over and over, when you don't have the ball when you're midcourt, this and that, I think after a while it just plays a toll on you. Plus, he's playing such, you know, incredible minutes. Yes. I think his minutes were higher than they have been. I can't remember. I think I looked it up like in, in six seasons or something. Um, do you think that uh, that they should have been more of an issue about? And I don't want to lay it on the officiating, but I don't think he got the, a fair shake. I, I thought he should have been gone to the foul line a lot more. I thought the defense was excessively physical, and he didn't he didn't he didn't get the benefit. I mean, it is interesting. They really did let them play, all right? And, you know, we haven't, you know, seen that. It's funny you mentioned the bad boys. It was, there was, you know, there, there was some stuff that went, went on. I, I think he should have gotten a few more calls than he did, but I don't think that would have changed the game. Uh, you've got your eye on the Knicks, uh, and I kept thinking about this. Uh, there were similarities between the Knicks and the Lakers. Uh, you know, questionable decisions with a roster. Uh, should um, uh, should they have made a trade for Julius Randle at the trading deadline? Will he be traded now? Uh, all, all these questions need to be answered. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, is going to be safe. But you got to look at Leon Rose and say, did he do the best job? I mean, it's very difficult. I thought, I thought a month with a month left to go in the season. 
I thought, uh, you know, because I've seen, if, okay, you can't make any predictions about this organization. Let's just lay, yeah, lay right. that out flat, right. right? Okay, because no matter what you say, even if it's logical, it might not happen, right? So, I mean, that being said, I thought, okay, I know how this organization runs. They're going to pin it all on Tom, right? He's going to get it, even yep. though... I mean, I think Tom's a super, I think he's a great coach, all right? He does, you know, he does sometimes wears out his welcome, but he, he is not the problem, all right? He, he is definitely not the problem. The problem is the Knicks had to sign a semi-name player when the Nets went and got KD and, you know, who they had, you know, talked about for a year that he was going to come to New York, right? That's all they talked about. That's all I wrote about is KD coming to New York. I had to go to an all-star game and stand next to KD and ask him that question like every day. It was so annoying, all right? So, I mean, you know, about the Knicks, not about the Nets. So they signed Julius. And, I mean, he does, I mean, I mean, last year, you know, he does have a really good year. I mean, last year, everything just broke right for them, I nice. guess. Every, you know, everything broke right, and everything that broke right broke wrong this year. You know, I, I mean, RJ's a pretty good player. That's what I would, you know. Yep. Yeah, RJ's a pretty good player. That's You ask me what I think about the Knicks, that's what I think about the Knicks. RJ's a pretty good player. After that, you know, I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, that that's, yeah, I really, that's all you can take out of that team. You, you ask about Leon... I mean, it's so. It, first of all, you know, like he never talks to the reporters. Exactly. So kind of don't know what he's thinking. Right. You know, and there's a lot of guessing that that goes on. So I, I don't know. I mean, you would think that somebody would take the fall for this, but it's the next. It might not happen. No, you're you know? right. Look, forever and a day, and you know this. Go go back in history. Every single time you heard, well, the Knicks are going to get this guy, and the Knicks are going to get this guy, and the Knicks are going to get this guy. And who have they signed in free agency, with the exception of Carmelo Anthony, over the last 10, 12 years, that's been what you would consider to be a superstar player? And the answer is none. So this this charade that goes on, I'll go back as far as Kiki Vandaway. I mean, now now we're going to win it all. We've got this guy. We're going to win it all. And it never happens. Yeah, I mean, the Carmelo thing is so, so interesting because, you know, you look back on it, and I mean, Carmelo is such a great guy to deal with media-wise, yep. all right? Yep. So he was such a good guy. And then you look back on it more, and you're like, you know, I mean, he did everything right, but his style of basketball, they didn't have the right people around him, or he just couldn't, whatever. But I don't blame that on him. I mean, he's like one of the bravest people that ever came here. He wanted to play here. Yeah. Nobody else wants to play here for whatever. I mean, it's either the media, which this one, maybe the media could be blamed because it's a tough place to play because let's just face it, the scrutiny on the Knicks is just so much more than it's on the Nets, you know? Sure. And, I mean, I, I, there's just so many more Knicks fans. Um, so it's either that or it's that, you know, their organization has not been the most stable organization over the last 20 years. Hey, Barbara, i got to tell you a quick story. My daughter's okay. in, the, in the movie business as, a, as a, a head of public relations of Universal. And uh, she, we, my wife and I always go to these um, premieres that she runs when they're in New York. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so we really enjoy it. So one day, uh, what, this is before Universal, she was working for Harvey Weinstein. 
forgive the <laughs> forgive the reference. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, okay. but Harvey okay. Weinstein is friendly was was friendly with James Dolan. So, Dolan's at one of these premieres, and Harvey introduces me to Dolan, and Dolan knew my name from my involvement when I was with the Nets, and we started talking basketball. Barbara, I'm telling you, and I'm not lying. I walked away from that conversation scratching my head. I'm thinking to myself, this guy has no idea. He doesn't know. He's not sure if the basketball is round or it's an oblique spheroid. He doesn't know. Okay. I was so nervous that you're, you were going to say, and, you know, he really knows a lot about the game because I was going to fall on the floor if you said that. All right. No. So, I mean, I, I mean, you, here's the deal. He, it, I, don't, I don't really think that many owners know that much about the game either. All right. You know, no. I mean, and, and, no. and, and I don't either compared to coaches and, you know, people who have spent their life long, you know, in it, you know, or fans don't, but he thinks he knows a lot about basketball. He does not think he knows a lot about hockey. And that's why the <laughs> Rangers have been successful at times right? and are successful. All right. So, I mean, if you think you know a lot about something, then you, I mean, he's the one that wanted Carmelo to come in to fit a system that he didn't fit in. Right. So, I mean, then you have to change things around and it's sort of like, I, I don't know, I could go on and on, but it, it, you know, he's the owner. He can do what he wants with his team. Just and, and and the thing is, his father was such a visionary uh, in cable television. Uh, <laughs> the apple did not fall. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I guess it's a different business, and and yeah, I, yeah, I, I I don't know, you know, the yeah, yeah. I guess it's tough to have a super successful father too. All right, before I let say. you go, look <laughs> at the Nets one time, uh, and I, it's too early into the off season for them to find out which direction they're going to go in terms of free agency, in terms of, uh, do, do you expect they will extend Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I think they, they will. I don't know if they can try to trade him, I mean, or, or what they can do, but yes, I do expect that they will, unless it could just, unless things get crazier. He's, I was looking at his Twitter this morning. He's has some crazy tweets. So yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but I do, mean, do you it's expect? Pathetic. It's kind of pathetic. I'm finally getting the day off, and I go look at Kyrie's Twitter. Right then and yep. there, I think I've done this for too long. All right, yep. so there you go. Hey, do you, do you expect that, that the Knicks will trade Julius Randle? Um, I do because he doesn't want to be here, and I, 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 I and I think he's like. A little broken, all right. Yeah. So I think they have to. They have to find a way to trade him. Hey. And I do. You know, maybe Julius needs to be in Orlando, all right? Okay, or someplace where you know you can be shitty for a couple of weeks. Excuse my language. I'm so sorry. You can be play play poorly for a couple of weeks, and you know the fans are still cheering for you, all right? And 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 there's nothing wrong with being in a place like that. No. Nope. You know. Not at so all. I uh, think I think I think maybe he's just not a player for here. Hey. You know, I think they yeah, I, I, I don't think it's gonna it's too bad because it's too so good last year, but he also played half the season like in the bubble too. Exactly. So, I, mean, yeah. I, I would say this, and I did this the other day, I did some research. You go down to former Lakers that are still playing in the NBA, you'd come up with an all star team. Wait, if you go down, I, you just faded out. I'm sorry, your phone. No, I said down. if you do some research, that uh, players that are still in the league that played uh, for the Lakers that no longer play for the Lakers, you'd come up with an all-star team. Wow. 
I mean, it's wow. amazing. Yeah, do it just for laughs. Do it sometime. <laughs> okay. Hey, wow. appreciate appreciate wow. your insight, All Barbara. Right. And I'll have to check. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's somehow I just think the Lakers will eventually figure things out. I don't I know. Do not have, I do not have the same faith in the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you. St- I appreciate all your insight. You stay safe. Thanks again. Okay. All right. Take care. She's Barbara Barker taking a bite of the Big Apple with Barbara. I think the the Nets can be fixed. Uh, the Knicks, not so sure. The Lakers, that's not going to be an overnight quick fix, let me tell you. They've got no first-round draft choice until 2027. How they are going to rebuild this thing? Whoever rebuilds this thing and makes it right, give them a gold medal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You give them a gold medal because they've got issues. A lot of issues. Uh, the draft is tonight, and that's a big deal because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the draft, and we're going to talk about it with uh, Randy Lang of the uh, of the uh, New York Jets. Hello. Oh, Randy, how are you today? How are you doing, Howard? I can't complain. Nobody cares, you know. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the draft is tonight. I, I won't say it's the most compelling draft, but I will say that there's a lot of uncertainty in an area like edge rushers, defensive ends, and so on. There's a wealth of talent there, and I've heard, I don't know, in the last two weeks, I've heard four or five edge rushers were going to be the number one pick in the draft. But let's go down to where the, the Jets are at number four and number ten do you know that there are eight teams that have two first-round picks this year? Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's an interesting number, and they <laughs> there may be more because you know, as you say, this is one of those drafts where uh, the the top end may be a little light, but then there's a lot of depth at certain positions, such as your edge rusher and uh, wide receiver and. Uh, maybe cornerback. I'm thinking. I've I've heard that. Uh, so yeah, somebody might be picking up some more picks. The Jets could be in that market. Uh, I can't predict. I'm not saying I know anything. But uh, Joe Douglas, the GM, has shown himself to be adept at moving up and down, whether it's high in the draft or on day three. So uh, who knows? Maybe four. Maybe ten. Uh, maybe thirty-five and thirty-eight. Uh, any of those picks could be, uh, you know, in play for the Jets just because. As Joe Douglas said, I'm going to do everything I can to improve this team. So would you say that defense, a defensive end, cornerback, uh, is the priority for the fourth overall pick of the draft? Well, I think that's how it looks. I mean, I, I might, uh, if the wide receiver's there that the Jets really covet, I'd throw a wide receiver in because they definitely want one. Uh, however, we also know that uh, from the reporting, and again, I, I have no inside knowledge of this, but... Uh, the reporting says that the Jets uh, are interested in Debo Samuel. They're interested in uh, Metcalf, and uh, so they could still be in the market, in the free agent market or the trade market for a veteran uh, top end wide receiver. But there are a number of wide receivers that are right around that in that four to ten range. I don't know if the Jets covet a guy like Jamison Williams or you know somebody like that, uh, but um, you know definitely. Those are the three positions that I would say that the Jets are looking at if they hold on to four and ten. Uh, you mentioned Jamison Williams. It, that's a tease. The guy's tremendously talented, but 
you come off an ACL injury from the championship game last year, and you know how those things go. Uh, they may not be looking at him to even play until mid-year. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah. that's a bit that's a bit of a tease. It is, but, uh, you know, teams have made those uh, teaser picks before. Now, I don't know if the Jets would be uh, involved in, in, like, saying, all right, we think that, as Jameson said, he's ahead of schedule, and uh, we may not see him for week one, but we think we'll see him early in the season. Uh, that's a lot of ifs going on there, but if they feel that he is the guy, I mean, he's got great speed, he's got, you know, very good uh, uh, maneuverability, uh, maybe a little, uh, I think I read somewhere that maybe the contested catches might he might need some work on, but whatever, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of those players that are going to be mentioned up there. Will he go that high at four? Probably not, but uh, because you see, there's a lot of other players that are crowding up in there, even though this is not one of those, uh, quarterback heavy uh, drafts. Uh, you got your defensive linemen. You got your tackles. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players who are going to be vying for those top four spots. I've heard the names Trayvon Walker from Georgia uh, may go number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson second to the Detroit Lions. And and if Hutchinson doesn't go one. He's going to go to uh, number one because he went to Michigan, and he would be a bit. That would be a huge favorite if the Lions were able to get him. But then after that, the Texans uh, look. They need everything. Uh, who knows where they're going to go? They, they you would think they would go for an offensive tackle. The Jets. I've I've heard Jermaine Johnson's name being linked to the Jets yes, out of Florida just State. Heard that. Yeah, uh, I mean that's a, a strong possibility. And let's keep in mind they get Carl Lawson back. So to have another edge rusher on the other side makes it something you'd have to believe that Robert Sala would love. Did you mention Kayvon Thibodeau? I'm just, uh, yes. Uh, no, I know that he's being considered, but it, it seems like, yeah. and, I don't, and I don't know, this always fascinates me, Randy, when they say right. the guy, this guy's stock has dropped or this guy's stock has raised based on right. what? They haven't played a game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, and the thing thing that intrigues me about Kayvon, and I did a little research on him uh, for NewYorkJets.com stories this, the last couple of weeks, uh, he, he seems to be a love him or hate him guy. Uh, and in fact, I mean, you could even make the case he's being from South Central L.A. Uh, early on before he went to Oregon, uh, that he's kind of a Keyshawn Johnson type guy, love him or hate him. And, you know, Keyshawn, pretty good production over the course of his NFL career, did pretty well for the Jets. A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people loved him. Uh, Kayvon seems to be kind of the same way. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's got uh, some uh, some stock to uh, – you know, he, he has his stock up there in the top five, let's say. The Jets could be interested in him. Uh, as you say, Jermaine Johnson just mentioned Florida State. Could be a late, uh, you know, late on the outside pick kind of moving up into the uh, the top five, top four area. So, you know, those are guys that I've, I've seen mentioned. Uh, again, the Jets aren't talking. They're not saying, uh, obviously, they, nobody ever does really, I guess, unless you're number one uh, and, you, and you got no one else to vie for that pick for you. Uh, but... Uh, that's the market they're in, and, and uh, it would be very interesting if they get the defensive lineman, the edge rusher of uh, of their dreams in this draft, and then they get to pair him up with Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and Quentin Williams. That's a pretty good pass rush. I mean, it's got a lot to prove, but it's a pretty good pass rush for, for starters. Randy Lang of the New York Jets helping me take a bite of the Big Apple. When it comes to the number 10 pick, you're probably looking at a wide receiver. And the question is, and we, we've mentioned – 
uh, Jamison Williams. Um, look, a lot of teams may, may flirt with that, but the safe pick would be either Garrett Wilson of Ohio State or Drake London of USC. Yeah, you know, I've seen those two right around that spot. And, uh, you know, I, I guess a lot might depend upon uh, if the Jets nail down one of those rumored trades of, of, of a big-name wide receiver, a veteran, uh, because then maybe even though, you know, as, as Joe Douglas has said, uh, you know, he believes uh, wholeheartedly in, in the best available athlete theory, but, you know, there are ways to look at number 10 and say, well, the wide receiver is pretty high there, but so are about three or four other guys, and we're going to go this way. Uh, you know, the Jets at the moment have a pretty good wide receiver core that needs some more. Uh, but, you know, they got Corey Davis coming back, uh, who did pretty well when he was healthy. Uh, they've got Elijah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Elijah Moore. Uh, what's that? Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, yes, right. of course. Uh, all I know is Elijah uh, did pretty well when he was healthy. Yes. So you got that. You got Braxton Berrios is a, proven to be a pretty good, uh, you know, slot guy, uh, all-purpose guy. I call him the uh, the Miami multi-tool. Uh, you know, he. So, but you need to add something to that. If the Jets add something uh, from the uh, the free agency or trade area, maybe they just aren't looking at a wide receiver at ten. The other thing is, Randy, is that. Uh you, uh, you you start to think about, well, he, the, the Jets have been linked to Debo Samuel. All right, he wants out of San Francisco. Why? I, I don't know. They, they want him not to be a running back and a wide receiver. They want him to be both. He's a supremely talented player. The question is, what would it take to get Debo Samuel away from the 49ers? And before you answer that question, let me ask you this one. When they were in the running for Tyreek Hill, if the Jets had included the 10th overall pick in the draft with everything else that they offered, would that have been enough? Yeah, those uh, those are interesting comparisons because uh, some have said, well, you know, Debo uh, is going to cost a lot, but so was Tyreek Hill going to cost a lot, and did for Miami. And the Jets were in there, but uh, uh, they said, all right, well, let's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let that one go by. It's a little too sweet for us, but, uh, but maybe it's not. Maybe Debo is a guy that they... Uh, didn't consider at that moment because they didn't know that he would become free uh, and not that he is free. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he, if he's now all of a sudden a, a trade a candidate, uh, the jets are rumored to be interested. And so then how much would it take? I mean, we're talking 10, we're talking, uh, they have uh, a two and a three and uh, two fours and two fives behind uh, the first round. Or, sorry. I said two twos and a three and two fours and two fives. So they've got the capital to uh, to execute that kind of a trade. Do they have the money? Do they want to spend that money? Uh, it sounds like maybe they're going to try to find a way if if that's the, the veteran wide receiver of their dreams. Uh, you know, I, I saw the 25 million figure for uh, what Tyreek Hill, or was it 22 million? Uh, somewhere, uh, you know, north of $20 million a year. Uh, and that's a lot of money to pay a wide receiver. But uh, the Jets seem to be in the market, uh, in the running for that with Tyree Kill before they bowed out. Maybe Debo is a guy who wants to come here and, you know, uh, you know, work with, uh, you know, uh, Robert Sala's organization and help bring that culture there. And, of course, the money is, is very nice for him. And so I don't know. I mean, that's out there and we'll see what happens. And, and I think. Whatever the Jets do, it's going to affect the draft, the top part of it, because either the Jets will probably not have their 10 anymore uh, overall, or else they will have it, and they'll pick a wide receiver there. 
He's Randy Lang of the Jets uh, taking the bite of the Big Apple on the day of the draft that begins tonight. Um, Robert Sala's got a, uh, you know, he's been with San Francisco. Devo Samuel certainly is familiar with him. He's familiar with the Jets' offensive coordinator. Uh, those are pluses. But the bottom line is that, you know, San Francisco, look, they went pretty deep last year. Uh, you know, they can see them. We don't know about Garoppolo. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be their quarterback? Who knows? Uh, and if not, where does he go? Where does Baker Mayfield go? There's so many questions that need to be answered. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be answered today, but one thing we will find out is that there's going to be a lot of edge rushers going early in this draft. Yeah, there are, and the, the Jets are definitely in that market, and uh, it would be a breath of fresh air for Jet fans who have been waiting for that edge rusher to arrive forever, seemingly, uh, since uh, maybe John Abraham in the 2004 Aces draft right. when he arrived number 13 overall. And he was an excellent edge rusher who uh, perhaps wore out his welcome, and the Jets sent him on his way to Atlanta, I believe it was, in 2005, after the 05 season. But when he was the Jet, he was phenomenal. And that's the kind of guy they're looking for. They think they have one of them in Carl Lawson. Can you imagine getting another one mm-hmm. on the other side or lined up uh, you know, at linebacker and you know, you know, blitzing up the uh, the A gap, and uh, you know, I mean, the Jets potentially, and, and and this is the thing that I think is is important for Jet fans to to sink their teeth into. Uh, both Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, during the course of the last month or two, when they spoke to the media, said we have a chance to really improve this team. And they, you know, you can throw those words around, but they really meant it. I mean, they've got four picks in the top 38, right. uh, two in the top 10, and, uh, and and they did a decent job. I mean, it wasn't a big-name job necessarily in free agency, but they brought in people they needed. Uh, they've improved the tight end position immeasurably. Right. They helped to secure the, the offensive line a little bit more with Lakin Tomlinson coming in, a pro bowler from the Niners. And, uh, you know, they, they brought in their, their DBs and DJ Reed and that, uh, Jordan Whitehead. So they, they did do some very good things to improve this team. And they still think this draft is going to be crucial to doing even more. And they really, they really have a lot, you know, they, they, it just feels like a good vibe here that they know that they're going to improve the team immeasurably for the near term and, pro, you know, possibly the, the longer term with how they draft. Uh, come tonight and, and come uh, the next three days. Hey, uh, Randy, let's talk. Look, we, bo- we both know the Jets have finished fourth in the AFC East in five of the last six years. They've won no more than seven games. Uh, one playoff appearance since 2010. All these things go through the minds of Robert Sala, Joe Douglas. I read an article yesterday that Joe Douglas is on the hot seat. He's got to produce and so on. Well, every general manager is on the hot seat and has to produce. And who knows that better than Joe Douglas? He wants to see this thing turned around. Uh, You know, he looks like a hero if all of a sudden the Jets strike with all the draft picks tonight and tomorrow and Saturday as well. So, I mean, this is nothing new. And But, you know, you look at Zach Wilson, the the, the idea was, at at least I think the theme was, let's help Zach Wilson. Let's get him the protection he needs. Let's get him the receivers to throw to. So you look at all these factors, and this this under the heading of this indeed is a team effort. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, just uh, uh, the other thing that uh, that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala both 
uh, hit upon as they were uh, speaking with the media the last month. Uh, and again, it makes sense. It's not like a deep, dark secret, but just the, the way they stated it uh, unequivocally, uh, we're going to really do everything we can to help Zach Wilson out. We're going to surround him with more talent. Um, they know they have to do it. And, and of course, if you have a young quarterback, uh, you're going to want to do that because that optimizes everything on offense and defense and the team. So, but, but they said, this is, this is kind of a Zach Wilson draft in in my interpretation, which means, uh, you know, the wide receiver could be in play at four or 10. Um, the tight end seems to be taken care of with, uh, Uzama and, uh, Conklin and free agency. Uh, those are two very good tight end talents that have revamped that tight end room, uh, at, at one jets drive. Uh, the offensive line seems to be slowly, but, but surely building to, uh, an improved state to protect the young Zach Wilson, especially his blind side with George Fant vying with McCoy Beckton for that left tackle job. Who's going to win that one? Uh, and Fant just said, I want to be a Jet uh, for the rest of my career. Well, you know, McCoy may be moving to right tackle, uh, but that's not so bad either. So uh, th- that offensive line coming together, uh, the the, uh, the receivers uh, seemingly you know, on the verge of coming together in a big way, the running back situation with Michael Carter and, and uh, Tevin Coleman just uh, re-signing and returning. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of good things happening there, and they are surrounding – Zach with talent and that's why I would expect there to be an accent on offense even though I don't think it's going to be like last year where it was like uh, you know let's pick all one side of the ball here for the first four picks and the other side for the last five right Uh, I think it'll be a good mix but I think offense will be served as well as defense and and of course uh, a great defense can help your quarterback too appreciate your insight Randy thanks a million you stay safe you too, Howard. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Randy Lang of the Jets. This draft is going to be interesting, certainly in, in from a New York state of mind. You got the Jets that have the fourth and the tenth pick. The Giants have the fifth and the seventh pick. Six other teams have two first-round picks. There's going to be a lot of jockeying for position. And we haven't even talked about trading up or trading back or... Uh, trading ahead. I mean, that's always a possibility. If I were to put a, 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 a betting number on the Jets getting a veteran superstar receiver like a Debo Samuel or a, a DK Metcalf, I would say it's a long shot. And that's and I'm not ducking the issue. It's very difficult to pry away that kind of talent. Now, Green Bay lost Devontae Adams. Uh, this happens. Um, but Having said that, and in Kansas City, lost Tyreek Hill. So it's possible. We'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to tonight. Hope you are as well. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. As we've taken a bite of the Big Apple, you stay safe.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.